if you don't have a Bible, there's these black Bibles on the back table. And if you're using one of those, we're in page 643. Proverbs 16, verse 1 to 3. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Thanks, Carl. You still with me after all that? Do you want to get up and stretch your legs or... I know Jacob's a limited man, so I didn't want to give him more than he could, he could deal with. I love you, brother. All right, let's, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, that you speak to us, that you speak to us about the things that matter to us, uh, making plans and decisions in life. And Lord, we want to be people, uh, as people who know Jesus, who've been called by him into a relationship with you, we want to be people who make wise decisions and live wise lives uh, that honour you and, uh, and bring glory to you. And so, Father, we pray that as we think this morning about how to do that, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts that we might learn and grow uh, and really bring glory to you uh, in all that we do. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, all of us, uh, I think it's fair to say, face lots of decisions every day of our lives. We've talked about that a few weeks ago. We talked about having to choose different kinds of ice cream. Uh, But there's lots of kinds of big decisions that we have to make. And it's difficult with lots of those decisions to know how to do that, uh, to know even how to go about deciding. Uh, Here are some decisions that you might have faced or you may be facing now or that you might face sometime in the coming years. Uh, So, for instance, you might be bored at work. You might have been really struggling with boredom at work for some time and someone else has offered you the dream job. Uh, It's the job that you've always wanted. But the trouble is that you don't know whether that job is going to be around for more than one year or two years. It's the dream job, but it doesn't have the dream job certainty. Uh, You've just bought a a new house, and so you're worried about what to do. How do you decide? Uh, Or perhaps uh, you're in a different situation. Perhaps uh, you're a young family, you've got another child on the way, but but you feel that that you don't have enough space in the house. It's a a two-bedroom house, and and maybe you're thinking, okay, we've already got a number of kids, and and now we've got another one on the way. It'd be great to kind of add an extension to the house, but is that the best use of our money? Is, Is that what God wants us to do? How do you begin to make that decision? Uh, Or maybe you're getting toward the end of school or the end of university and like so many people, you've just got no idea what to do with your life. Lots of people tell you that maybe you're good at explaining things to other people. So so they say, oh, why don't you think about teaching? But to you, the idea of teaching sounds like the most boring thing that you could ever do with your life. But the trouble is there's not really anything else that you think that you're good at. What do you do? 
How do you even decide? We constantly need to make decisions and make plans for the future, but how do we do that? How do we do that wisely? What are, the, some, what are some of the dangers that we need to be aware of in making decisions? What are the pitfalls that we can fall into? And what are some of the helpful steps that we can take to try our best to do things right? Well, that's what we want to think about this morning. And what we're going to do is work through those three proverbs that Jacob read for us and think through what they have to say about how we make plans and how we can look for guidance. And as we do that, we'll touch on some other proverbs um, as well. So the first thing that we need to understand is that we're not in control, but God is. So verse 1, To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. Like so often in the Bible, our responsibility is set side by side with God's sovereignty. Our responsibility is to make plans. That's our job. Uh, Our job is to think hard about what to do. Our job is to use our brains, the brains that God has given us, to kind of evaluate the situation. To be human, in other words, is to reflect and to think and to plan and devise and act. That's our job. And yet the ultimate decision and the ultimate result doesn't belong to us, but it Uh, belongs to God. Literally, this proverb says, the answer from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. Which is another way of sort of saying, God is the one who actually says what will come to be. You know, you and I can say, this is what I'm going to do. But God is the one who, when he says it, it actually happens. You find the same idea a few verses later in uh, chapter 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You and I can plan, but we can't make anything happen. We can try to make it happen, but we can't guarantee that it will happen. That's so self-evidently true, even just with the smallest things in life. Uh, so you might have planned to have a pleasant dinner at six o'clock. Uh, you know, you've been waiting for ages, it's Friday night, you're set to go, you've got, everything, you've got all the ingredients in the cupboard, you're ready to go, you turn on the oven uh, to, to, to preheat, and, you, and after ten minutes it's still as cold, you know, as, as anything, and you think, oh, okay, what's going on? Uh, you end up having dinner, instead of having dinner at 6 o'clock, you end up having dinner at 8, 9 o'clock because you stuff around for ages trying to work out if you can fix the oven. Eventually you work out that you can't do it. And so you sit down at 8 o'clock for uh, so, you know, some baked beans out of the can and your great dream of having a wonderful Friday night dinner is ruined, totally beyond your power. Uh, Or you might plan to have your assignment done by Friday night so that you can spend time with friends on Saturday or or some other job that you have. You might plan to have it finished by Friday so Saturday is free. You don't have to worry about it. You can spend time with friends without feeling guilty about anything. It's all done. Friday night rolls around. You're not even close to finished. 
Uh, 10 o'clock, you think, oh, I'll just spend another hour. Hopefully it'll be done by then. 3 o'clock rolls around, you're still not done. You think, well, I'm going to go to bed. And you spend all the next day not having finished the assignment, thinking to yourself, I'm going to have to finish this sometime. So you can't really enjoy the time with your friends. All your plans go to pieces. Proverbs 19 verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's not your purpose or my purpose that prevails, but God's purpose. He's the one who can actually make things happen. Proverbs 20 verse 24 uh, comes at the same issue kind of from the other side. It says, A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? So if God is in control, what that proverb is saying is, if God is in control and if it's his purpose that happens, then how can we understand what happens in in our lives? Uh, Because God is in control and not us, when we look at where we've ended up compared to where we plan to be, we can't sort of make sense of it. We were going that way, but we've ended up over here. So you plan to be married at 20 and have kids by 25, and you end up widowed at 40 with no kids. Or you plan to be self-sufficient by 30, and by 30 all you have is an enormous debt. Or you plan to spend your life in one place, always close to family and friends, and you end up spending your life at the other side of the world. When I look back at my own life, I'm often amazed to see how I ended up doing exactly the things that I never set out to do. I ended up doing the things that I set out never to do, in fact. So I definitely didn't want to end up being an engineer, an electronics engineer. I ended up being an electrical engineer. I definitely didn't want to go into ministry. I remember sitting on the train crossing the Harbour Bridge and thinking the last thing that I ever want to do is end up being in ministry. I ended up being in ministry. As I was going to ministry, into ministry, I remember being asked specifically by the church that was sending me to study at Bible College, they asked me, And do you think that you'll go on and do further study in theological education? I said, there is one thing I'm absolutely certain about, and that is that I do not want to do further postgraduate study in theological education. I ended up doing further study in theological education. I decided the other day that what I definitely don't want is a million-dollar mansion. And I'm just waiting to see (laughs) if that plan also doesn't come true. But the point of Proverbs is to say when you look at at your life and you see that that's the reality, that's exactly right. That's that's what Proverbs 20 is saying. If God's in control, how can I make sense of how I ended up here? I wanted to be there and now I'm here. But Proverbs says, we can make all the plans that we want, but it's God who directs our paths. It's God who takes us where uh, he wants us to go. You and I are not in control, and that realisation lies at the heart of wise decision-making and wise planning. 
At the heart of wise decision-making and wise planning is the acknowledgement that you and I are not in control, but that God is in control. So that doesn't mean that we stop thinking and planning, but it does mean that we shouldn't think of our plans as an attempt to control our destiny or to control the outcomes. A sure sign that we've slipped into that kind of way of, or that kind of approach to planning in terms of thinking of controlling our future is that we're completely devastated when what it is that we planned doesn't come to reality. So you send a parcel to a friend, but it doesn't arrive on time. Uh, it, it arrives a week after their birthday. Uh, or you get up on Saturday morning and you plan to head to the market uh, to buy croissants for breakfast for the family. You get to the market and there's no croissants. Or you set your heart on that job that you desperately wanted, all those results uh, in, in that subject at school and when it doesn't happen you're inconsolable you had your plans they didn't work out and now you can barely uh, cope with that but in contrast to that kind of controlling approach to life proverbs urges us to make plans to work hard but also to accept that what finally happens is God's work and not ours. What happens might be completely different to what we planned. It might be the very opposite. But it will always be good because if we belong to Jesus, then God is our loving Father and he works all things together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So the fact that God is in control means that even as we plan and strategize we can sit comfortably knowing that God is always up to something good. So the first step in wise planning and decision-making is acknowledging that we're not in control. The second step is realising that as we make plans and seek guidance, our hearts are deceitful and our plans are not nearly as noble as we think they are. So verse 2 all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. In other words, what counts is not what you think about your plans, whether you think your plans are wonderful and good and noble. That's not what counts. What counts is what God thinks of your plans. And this proverb says that you and I are predisposed to think that our plans are actually really, really good, that they're really, really pure and noble. We have this kind of predisposition to self-deception. God says through Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And not only can we be self-deceived, we can be earnestly and eagerly self-deceived. So Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, there's a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. Or literally, there's a way that seems right to a person. There's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. That is, we so convince ourselves to take a path, and, and, and we're so convinced that it's a right path, but actually we're horribly deceived. Nowhere, I think, is that more obvious 
uh, more of us than in the area of, of love. Love seems to cloud people's judgment in a profound way. So uh, a young couple fall in love, but those around them can see that it's not a great idea. Maybe one of them isn't serious about the gospel. One of them isn't really uh, a believer. But the other person uh, who's in love with them can't see that. Uh, It's as plain as a pike staff to everybody else who's around them. But that person creates all the excuses uh, for the other person. The way just seems right to them. Uh, Or or maybe one of them is is really oppositional and lacking in grace. uh, And you think this is this is just going to be such a difficult relationship uh, because one of the people is so unforgiving. But the person in love just can't see it. The way just seems right. Uh, or maybe they even can see the problems uh, and they decide that they are able to fix the person, other person in a way that nobody else can. It's the kind of... Um, it's the redeemer complex which uh, some people go into marriage with. Love clouds our judgment. And that's true in romance, as it is in lots of other ways as well. Uh, We set our hearts on something in life, a new thing, a new job, a new circumstance in life, a a new whatever it is, and we lose all perspective. We lose the ability to see and think rationally and objectively. But, Proverbs says, the cause is not hopeless. There's a remedy to self-deception. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14 offers us a twist, an interesting twist. It says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads, in, leads to death. Again, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. There's a way out. For that reason, Proverbs often recommends that we seek advice, that we ask people. So chapter 11, verse 14, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Or 15 verse 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Or again in chapter 24 verse 6, surely you need guidance to wage war and victory is won through many advisors. Do you think that it's trying to communicate to us something about having lots and lots of advisors? Yes, of course. And the reason that we need lots of advisors and lots of counsellors is because we can't see beyond the limitations of our own wisdom. Others can see the limitations and the flaws in our thinking that we can't see. The way just seems right to us. And not only is it wise to get advice from others, Proverbs says, it's wise to get as much advice as possible. It's wise to ask not just one or two people, but many advisors. And here's a hot tip uh, for those who are married. I can say this because I'm not married. Uh, asking your spouse for advice is not an abundance of counsellors. Okay, so it's, it's important, of course it's important to talk with your husband or wife about 
plans and to make those plans together, but asking one other person is not seeking an abundance of counsellors. Marriages have the same possibility, I think, albeit a reduced one, of falling victim to the same kind of self-affirming echo chambers that our own minds can be. That is, you convince yourselves that an idea is good. Likewise, I think actually, I, I was thinking this morning, it's pontificating as I do about what it would be like to be married, but I think, <laughs> I, I think that actually a lot of conflict in marriage would be helpfully resolved by not just thinking that we have to come up with all the wisdom ourselves, but actually to ask other people for wise advice. So ask others what they think and together seek an abundance of counsellors. Uh, and that's true for, for all of us, whatever our life situation. And of course that doesn't mean that we should seek advice for every little decision. You know, what shall I have for dinner tonight? Well, I, perhaps I'll just ring around a few people beforehand to, uh, if, you get a call, if you get a call from me during the week. Um, just, I'm just wondering what I should have for dinner tonight. I've asked a few people. Uh, someone said spaghetti. Uh, uh, obviously, it's not talking about every little decision. But on the big issues, it's important to seek wisdom from others. Uh, and when you seek advice... You should seek advice not just from the people who will tell you what you know you want to hear, but from people who are wise and godly and thoughtful. Uh, I remember when I was a child, I did, I think, what every kid does when asking their parents for permission to do something. That is, I stopped and I thought, who's more likely to say yes? And then you'd go and approach uh, that parent. Proverbs is not telling us to do that. It's not saying go and ask the people for advice who you know will tell you what you want to hear. Go and ask the people who are wise. Go and ask those people uh, who are thoughtful. Uh, going back to the marriage example, uh, one of the things I often tell the young men that I disciple or uh, so on, I often say to them, uh, if you're ever thinking about getting married, married make sure that when you talk... that." that you and your prospective partner find people around you who know you both well and who know, know what you're like and ask them what they think. Ask them what they think about your relationship. Ask your parents. Um, because if you're going to make one of the most important decisions in life, you want to do that wisely. Another reason for seeking the advice of wise counsellors is... Uh, not only because they help us to see things that we haven't taken into account, but they also help, uh, help uncover our hidden motivations. Uh, Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. The idea of that proverb is not that within each of us is buried this deep inner wisdom and that this other wise person can come along and kind of draw our wisdom out to the surface. As one commentator puts it, I think, quite bluntly and honestly, the idea that we all have profound wisdom buried deep in our hearts is quite foreign to the book of Proverbs. Rather, the idea is that a person's underlying motivations, whether good or bad, are buried deep down in our heart. That is... 
they're hard for us to discern. It's hard for us to discern, why am I doing this? Is it a good reason or is it a bad reason? But a wise person can draw those things out and lay them bare. They can help us to see that the reason that we want a new car is not because it's environmentally friendly, although that's what we're saying to everybody. They can see that the reason that we want a new car is because Bob down the road got a car just like that the other week and actually you think that you would like one too. Uh, they can help us to see that the change in career that we're pursuing is not really better for the family, although that's what we're saying to ourselves and to others. It'll be so much better for the family. They can help us to see, actually, it won't be better for the family. It will just be better for you. But wise counsellors can not, uh, uh, um, not only help us uh, to avoid bad situations... They can also, if you like, give us great confidence to take a course of action. So, you know, you might be uncertain about whether to do something, but then you ask a trusted friend or a number of trusted friends, what do you think I should do about this? I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't do it. And they say, no, actually, I think that's a great idea. That's, that's, and, and here's the reason why. That's so encouraging, isn't it, to, to be making the decision not just on the basis of what you think, but to have that encouragement and confidence that comes uh, from others. Of course, the best advisor and counsellor that we can ever have is God himself. God's word is the best tool that we have in exposing the corrupt and distorted motives in our hearts, and it's the best tool uh, to give us wisdom to confront the daily issues of life. But often the way that God counsels us and advises us Uh, and applies his word to our lives is through the wise counsellors that he's put around us uh, who can apply God's word in such a way that it convicts and challenges and reproves and corrects uh, and instructs us in the decisions that we need to make. So there's two steps so far uh, in making wise plans. Acknowledging we're not in control, uh, acknowledging that our motives are often not as pure as they could be, and seeking wise advice. And finally then, uh, there is a last step, which is to commit our way to the Lord. The acknowledgement that God is in control and the need for us to make plans leaves us with a conundrum. That is, how do they fit together? How do our plans and God's sovereignty go together? In verse 3 that we read earlier, offers us a way forward. It says, commit your way to the Lord and he will establish your plans. So the last step in wise decision-making is to commit our way to God. Literally, it's rolling whatever you do onto God for him to carry. It's like rolling a... The image is like rolling a large burden uh, from off us and onto onto God. But the rock that we're rolling onto God is not just our needs. So this proverb is not just saying commit your needs to God. What we're committing to God is actually our plans that we've thought through. So there are two opposite dangers, I think, that we can fall into when making plans. And this last step helps us to kind of navigate between the two. 
So the first step, as we've seen, is to think that we're in control and so we make our plans and we try to pull them off in our own power and we make plans out of our corrupt motives and we fail to realise that, that that's what's going on. Uh, the second danger is that we don't plan at all. So uh, we think, well, if I'm not in control and if God's in control, then what's the point of making decisions? What's the point of thinking about it? What's the point of doing research and asking others? Why don't I just leave it all to God? But wise planning doesn't mean adopting that kind of she'll be right or whatever will be will be attitude, nor is it a controlling commitment to fulfilling our heart's deepest desires. Wise planning is about thinking, asking, reflecting, deciding and acting all while praying and seeking God's wisdom, committing it to God and trusting him for the outcome. Committing our plans to God doesn't mean saying to God, God, here's what I've decided to do. Now I'm leaving up to you to make it happen. That's not what wise, that's not, that's not what this is about. <laughs> Committing our plans to God means acknowledging that God is in control and not us. It's acknowledging the mixedness of our motivations and the limitations of our wisdom. And it means asking God to guide us in that situation. But most of all, it means holding our plans with open hands and acknowledging to God that we might not have it all together and asking him to correct us and protect us from any folly or self-deception in our plans. Wise planning means saying to God, God, I've used the brain that you've given me uh, to think about this. I've used the resources that you've put around me, the people that you've put around me to think this through. Uh, but I know that I'm not in control uh, and I know that sometimes because of my sinfulness I make wrong decisions. So please just work this out for your glory. I've tried, I've tried to do this right in all good conscience, conscience but, but please just work this out for your glory. And then you just get on with what you've planned. You just get on and do it. If you've done step one, acknowledge you're not in control. If you've done step two, acknowledge the mixedness of your motivations. And if you've committed it to God to guide you, it, then, then you can just get on with it and trust him. We don't have to spend the rest of our lives worrying about whether or not we've made the right decision. Often with big decisions, there are just so many things that can go wrong now, we can get hurt, uh, we can hurt others by our decisions, we could end up financially crippled, we could we'd end up losing our home. There's so many things to worry about, uh, so many things to be uncertain about. The fear can be crippling and it can keep us from ever doing anything. We, we begin to think, well, but what if, what if I haven't done, what, what if my motivations are wrong? What if, what, what if I haven't thought about that enough? What if it, it, it doesn't work out? What if there's something I haven't taken in, into consideration? And so you never make a decision, you never plan, you never do anything. But what a great relief it is to know that we don't have to get everything 100% right. That's not what Proverbs is saying. 
It's saying God is in control and God is working things out for our good. Which means that if you've done the due diligence and you acknowledge that God is not in control and acknowledge that you have mixed motives and sought to seek advice from those around you in God's word and and through prayer, and if you've committed it to God, then you can just get on and do it and trust that God will work all things together for the good of those who love him. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much that you're in control uh, and that uh, your purposes always prevail. And we thank you too that your purposes are always good that you always work all things together for the good of those who love you and have been called according to your purpose. Uh, Lord, we thank you for that and uh, we pray too that you would help us to acknowledge that uh, in all the decisions that we make. Uh, Help us to rest in that as we make our decisions and as we seek to act on them. But Lord, also help us to be wise in planning. Help us to use the brains that you've given us, the resources that you've put around us. Thank you so much for the wonderful resources that we have. Uh, Thank you for the availability of information that we have through the internet and through experts in our society and those around us. Thank you for those in the church who you've gifted with great wisdom to understand what it means to be wise in the context uh, of our situation here in, uh, in Australia, in Tasmania, in different phases of life. Lord, help us to see the wisdom that you've put in uh, the people around us and help us to make use of that and to seek their guidance and seek their support and encouragement and their challenge. Lord, help us to seek out those who can uncover the hidden motivations of our heart so that we might not make foolish decisions but that we might make wise decisions which truly seek to honour you. And Lord, as we do that, we pray that you help us to commit those things to you and to trust you and to get on with living our lives, knowing that you will work it out for your good, even if our plans fail, that your plans will always be better than we could ever have imagined. Help us to trust that, Lord, we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.